Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> yeah, I'll just leave there, brother. I just told the... Uh, not going to be too good. You know what I'm going to do? Take it off. Thanks, Brother Webb. <clears throat> you may wear it. <clears throat> I just told the lady at the camera there, I'm a bit of a mover. So if you are feeling a bit sleepy... I will wake you up. <laughs> um, a missionary brother from uh, Malawi came to visit us in South Africa, and he showed us a, a, a slide, and he showed the Africans all sitting in this bench with a straw hut that was their church, no sides, and all along the side they had these men standing with long poles, with a, with a sharp point at the end. And I said, well, what are those guys? I don't think he used the term, but I'm going to use it. He said, these are the holy pokers. I said, what do you mean? He said, when someone's asleep, they go... And they poke these guys. Well, we haven't got any holy pokers here tonight. Seems like we've got a lot of volume. Um, just cut that down a little bit, please, brother. Yeah. So... Uh, if you're sleeping, I've got a few brothers there in the congregation, they'll... Let's pray. <clears throat> My Lord, we want to bless you and praise your holy name. You're a wonderful Savior. And we thank you for giving us the ability to preach, to be able to expound the word. And as I do tonight, I pray that the Holy Spirit will be the teacher. Bless us now as we look to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I'm with my darling wife, Marion, of 44 years. And praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> but let me tell you this. I don't tell everyone this, but we've been married three years. And our marriage nearly broke up. It was that close to a divorce. I praise God and his faithfulness and his love. God looked ahead and he saw this seminar. And I'm here tonight to tell you that God still heals marriages. Now let me tell you something else. Let me tell you something else. God hates divorce. But he still loves the divorcee. Isn't that good? He still loves the divorcee. He loves the divorcee. We want them to catch the vision and turn and serve the Lord and stand for their marriage. I met a number of dear sisters here tonight. I'm a stander. I'm standing for my marriage. I said, God bless you. Hallelujah. So we're going to see some great things tonight. This is a true missionary story. A missionary in one of the islands <clears throat> was preaching to the native people. And night after night, he preached, and he didn't see any results. He was becoming a little despondent, so he went back to his room. He took out the Bible, and he was reading in the Bible from the book of Mark. And Mark chapter 16, the last two verses in that chapter, this is what he read. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, put it down a bit, please. He was received up into heaven 
and sat on the right hand of God. Just put it down a bit, Jason, please. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Listen. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. And he said, in anguish of soul, God, I've preached my heart out. Confirming the word with signs following. And it's just as if the Lord said, and this is a true story, you're not expecting it. And that was a bit of a rebuke to him. So he, he, he got to the Lord in prayer and he said, Right, Lord, tonight I'm going to expect you to confirm the word with signs following. And he poured his heart out and he put everything into it and he stood up and as he began to preach, he said, Tonight God is going to confirm his word with signs following. That night the head man of the island was saved. And the whole of the island began to come to the Lord. Now tonight I'm saying that is because I believe that each one of us here tonight need to be in that framework of mind. We need to say, God, I want you to confirm the word with signs following. There's going to be a lot of speakers this weekend. You're going to be pretty worn out. But God is going to confirm the word with signs following. And if there are people who've got hurting marriages, hurting relationships, whatever it may be, God, I'm trusting you. This weekend you're going to do something and deposit something in my heart that will never leave me. Believe it, reach out and grasp it and say, Yes, Lord, you're going to confirm the word with signs following. Can we have an amen? That's good. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to do something. I don't often do this, but I want you to do this. If this means anything to you tonight, I want you to close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, put your hand over your heart. Only if it means something to you, put your hand over your heart and just to yourself and to God, pray these words in all sincerity. Just to yourself. Lord Jesus, you're welcome in my heart. You're welcome in my heart. Come Lord Jesus and deposit your truth in my life and I will never ever depart from it. Let it be a prayer of your heart. You're welcome in my heart. Amen. Now my daughter who is now 40 years of age in New Zealand when she was in her late 20s, she stood up in our church and she said something like this. I want you to hear this. She said, you know, I always pray this prayer. She said, Lord, if there's anything in my heart that displeases you, please reveal it to me and help me to get it out of my life. What a beautiful prayer from my daughter. Lord, if there's anything in my heart that displeases you, please reveal it to me and help me to get it out of my life. You come to the Lord this evening with that kind of attitude. Your attitude will affect your altitude. And you'll go out of this place soaring.
subject I want to talk about tonight is marriage a type or a shadow of Christ and his church. Marriage a shadow or a type of Christ and his church. There was a pastor who went to visit one of his parishioners sitting with him in the lounge, the man was having trouble in his marriage, he began to talk to him. As he talked to him, he saw the cat and the dog curled up in a little huddle there right next to the fireplace. He kept on talking and he said to him, George, George, it's an ob object lesson here. Why can't you be, you and your wife, be just like that cat and dog? He looked at him. Just totally different, but absolutely united. Look at him, just cuddling and purring. Look at him. Well, George thought for a while, and he said, you tie them together and see what happens. <laughs> now, I've said that to say this. I've said that to say this. You tie them together and see what happens. Isn't it strange that a couple can shack up lived together out of wedlock for 15 years, have three or four children, never ever get married, and they get on pretty good. The wife keeps on for security reasons, wanting to give the children a same name, and she pushes for marriage, and after 15, 16 years, they get married. They're married for six months, and they get divorced. Why? Happens. Some of you know people like it. It happens. Now you go to employment agents and they'll say, he who knows how will never be without a job. You know how to fix a toaster or a TV or video. You'll never be without a job. But he who knows why will be the boss. I want to tell you why tonight. Why? Why? Why do marriages break up? When you tie them together, you see what happens. There's something there. You know, a number of years ago in the Detroit Free Press, they did a marriage poll. And the results were published in the local newspaper. And an astonishing result came out that 70% of all those married, I think it was 20 years and more, would not marry their same partners again if they had a second chance around. 70%. Now, I want to say, and you want to know, it's true, there's my little bride at the back, my wife, I would marry her over a hundred times. I'd knock a few spots off her, but I would marry her. I would marry her uh, over and over again. 70% of all couples surveyed would not marry their same partners again if they had the chance second time around. How about you? Would you? Yeah. All right. Three reasons why the devil hates marriage especially Christian marriages. 
In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19, it says that if two of you, any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, which they shall ask, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The devil knows that. He knows if two people can come together in absolute unison and oneness, there's a powerhouse there to be reckoned with. We rush off to the pastor and say, Oh brother, my son's on drugs and my daughter's pregnant at 14. Will you stand with me in a prayer of agreement? That's good, but we lost it. Your wife or your husband is already one flesh with you. All they've got to do is come into one spirit, you put the devil out of business. You think he doesn't know that? Oh, Harry Legs knows that. He knows that. He knows, and so what is he doing? He's getting between the first and second person. He's getting between the husband and wife. And he's keeping them apart as best as he can because he knows when two people come together in absolute oneness, they'll put him out of business. Binding and loosing. I'm going to speak about that later on. Binding and loosing the law of the kingdom. We're going to take a bit of a shift from that, but that's the principle. That's one reason why the devil hates divorce, uh, why he hates marriage and loves divorce. <clears throat> Second reason is there are two institutions on earth that depict the image of God. Two institutions on earth that depict the image of God. One is the church. The other is marriage. And the devil is not so much after your marriage, Brother Weber. He's after the image of God. If he can malign, if he can desecrate, if he can pull marriage apart, he'll pull the image of God apart. And he knows that. And he knows he'll set a rep, ripple, repercussion down the line that will affect thousands of people in the third and fourth generation. You ever thought about that? Third and fourth generation? A generation is up to 40 years. Third and fourth generation up to 160 years. What your great-great-grandfather did 160 years ago is affecting you today. What you do today will affect your great-grandchildren 160 years from now. Think about it. The third and fourth generation principle. So the devil knows that images, he knows, sorry, he knows that marriages depict the image of God. And he's after the image of God. So he's going to try and pull it apart. That's the second reason. The third reason is he knows that marriages are the bedrock of society. And when the marriage goes, so does security, and so does the nation. And so he's doing all he can to break up marriages to destabilize. The Bible tells us the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if he can get at the actual heart of marriage, he will do that. And he's doing that in many people's lives today. Killing, destroying, hurting men and women. And divorces create more problems than they solve. Don't you tell me they don't. They do. So, we need to have a look at that and understand. You see, that's why marriages are falling apart today. 
The Bible says one will put a thousand to flight, but two will put ten thousand to flight. There's ten times more power in two people coming together in absolute unity than one person fighting it alone. The devil says, man, I won't let them come together. I will keep them apart. If you know why, you'll be the boss. You know why marriages are coming unstuck. So, tonight, marriage is a type, a symbol of Christ and his church. Now you say a type. What do you mean a type, Mike? Well, a type is a figure, a symbol, a representation of something spiritual in the Bible, in biblical terms. The lambs slain on the altars in Old Testament times were only a type of the great Lamb of God that would one day come to die for the sins of the world. Types and shadows. There's a lot of symbolism in types. Baptism by immersion is only a type. It's a shadow. It's a symbol of the burial of the old man and identifying ourselves with Christ. As Christ was buried and he rose up out of the grave. So we are buried in a watery grave and rise up to walk in newness of life. A type, a shadow, a symbol. And so I'm talking tonight about marriage being a type of Christ and his church. Now I've got the overhead projector here and I told the camera lady to follow me around. I'm a bit of a jitterbug. I run around here and there. So right, we're going to have a look where that is. Is it that way? Yeah. Okay. Now you can see I am an artist, and you will notice that as soon as I start. I'm not allowed to laugh. Or laugh. You can't laugh. All right. Is that all right? That's not too bad for me. Well, Brother Burkett, don't you laugh. I'm going to see you later on. That's better, eh? That's good. He's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder here, but that's all right. Okay. Now, this, that's her wedding gown. That's the veil. See? All right. Now, in Romans 1, I believe it is, says, God takes the earthly, tangible, physical, touchable, feelable things, and he uses them to reveal spiritual things. Now, when you look at marriage, and I didn't know this 44 years ago, I didn't have a clue, but I've since learned, now I'm teaching you, that that picture of marriage is a beautiful picture of Christ marrying his church. Now, remember, your picture affects your performance. Your picture affects your performance. If I stood here tonight and I thought, you guys are all looking at me and said, who's that crazy South African Kiwi guy there? He's got a funny accent and his nose is sticking out and he's got a funny shoulders and hair and ears sticking out like a Boeing or whatever. And I thought you thought that about me. My picture of who I think you think I am will affect my performance and I'll skedaddle out of here. Your picture affects your performance. 
And I want to say this from the depth of my heart. If you catch the vision of this tonight, it'll affect your whole life. It'll change your whole life. That that picture of the husband and the wife is but an earthly picture of Christ marrying his church. Oh, good. Amen. You're allowed to say amen. 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 Preach it, Brother Gory. That's right. Amen. I agree with that. Now, if you go to Rome, uh, Revelation chapter 19, in Revelation chapter 19, it says this. Hallelujah. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride hath made herself ready. His wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in white raiments, for the white raiments are the righteousness of the saints. There's the culmination to the whole thing, that this beautiful earthly marriage is but a type, a shadow, a symbol of Christ marrying his church. And so when you look at your wife, you don't look at her as being your wife, you look at her through the eyes of Christ as you being, if you please, a little Christ, seeing your precious little bride and ministering love and wholeness and blessings into her life. And I caught this vision many years ago. God showed me this. I said, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And if you want to just sneak up to my wife afterwards and say, is he a good bridegroom? Is he like a little Christ to you? I'll tell her to answer properly later on. <laughs> you, catch, you catch the vision and it'll affect your life. And I lay my hands on my wife's head every morning. And I said, Jesus, bless the precious little bride. Ooh, fill her with the love of God. Give her the mind of Christ, Lord. Bless her little heart, Lord. Let it just pump for Jesus. And she puts her hands out like that. I put my hands over them. I said, oh, hallelujah. Bless this little darling. Bless her hands. And Lord, above all, bless her husband. Amen. <laughs> you catch the vision. Your picture affects your performance. Amen? Amen. Amen. Picture affects your performance. Right. Now, we go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 21. Most people, most husbands don't start at 21. They start at 22. But they don't like 21. Because 21 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It's a two-way street. But then it says, now, now, now being more specific, I want to say this. Husbands, I want you to love your wives. Like Christ loved the church. But before he says that, he says, Wives, I want you to submit to your own husbands as if you were submitting to the Lord. Oh, but I can't submit to this guy. No, you've lost it. Offsides, you've lost it. No, 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 you lost it. No, no. You're trying to submit to him. The Bible says, submit to me. And as you submit to him, you're submitting to me. So all submission to delegated authority is submission to God. Repeat, 
All submission to delegated authority is submission to God. And when I submit to those whom God has told me to submit to, I'm submitting to God. When I rebel against those whom God has told me to submit to, I'm rebelling against God. So your picture? There's your performance. So wives, I want you to submit to your own husband. It's in there. As E.V. Hill says, when I don't know a verse, I say it's in there. And all those who don't know say, sure is. Sure is. It's in there. It's in there. Ephesians chapter 5. Sure is. Sure is. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, wives, I want you to submit yourself to your own husbands as if you were submitting to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Not if he's a good guy. He can be a negligent head, a ropey head, a pathetic head, a weak head, or a strong head, or a domineering. He's still the head. God will hold him accountable later on. But husbands, you are the head. If you're not so sure about that, come and see Jim Burkett afterwards. He'll tell you. He'd be married for 150 years or something. You ask his brother, he'll tell you. Right. So husbands, you're the head. Wives, I want you to submit to your own husbands as if you were submitting to the Lord. Now it, it draws an analogy here. It says the husband is the head of the wife, just like Christ is the head of the church. There's a correlation here. Husband equals Christ, wife equals church, in a sense. You understand that? So, I'll get my Bible. One minute. This is filing cabinet. <clears throat> This is what the Bible says here. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, this is what it says. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ... So let the wise be in the same way in everything. Then it goes on and develops that a little more. Husbands, love your wives just the same way as Christ loved the church. Do you? I was driving down the road in South Africa many years ago, and as I was driving down, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And I just found myself praying, Oh Lord, teach me how to love my wife just like Christ loved the church. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Teach me just how to do that. I think He's been answering my prayer. I really do. And so... You see, the husbands, you love your wives, Christ loved the church. And then it says here, husbands, I want you, just like Jesus, that he might sanctify this bride by the washing of the water by the word, just like Christ 
washes his bride by the washing of the water by the word. So let the husbands see themselves as little Christ. I want you to wash your bride by the washing of the water by the word. You take that word up. When did you? I said to her brother once, I said, when did you last pick up the Bible and wash the bride with it? He said, what? I said, you, you, need, you need to wash the bride with the washing of the water by the word. Why? To what end? That you may present her unto yourself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it may be holy without blemish. Are you washing her? He said, the blind leading the blind man. I said, well, you better educate your ignorance. One day God is going to hold you accountable. He's given you a privilege to have a little bride, to make you a picture of Christ over your little church. You need to wash her by the washing of the water, by the word that you may present her unto yourself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but to be holy without blemish. Every unhappy wife is a public rebuke to her husband. If some of you are in the printing business, print us some labels. Next time we have a family life seminar and Mike Gorey's coming to speak, you have them on the table. Put it on their bumper. Every unhappy wife is a public rebuke to her husband. Phone Joseph Webb. Find out. <laughs> and they'll say, who's this guy? Come to the next seminar. Second seminar. Come. So, this whole truth has so influenced my life that I see the washing of the bride is a beautiful truth. But you know what? Brides can wash husbands too. Yeah. Sometime not, not so long ago, my wife said to me, you need a peppermint. Oh, sorry. No. Wives can tell husbands that. I was in the States many years ago and I was standing on the, poop, standing on the, the platform here. There are about 90 people there. And my wife sat in the front, and uh, she, uh, she indicated she, I realized that I was in trouble. There was a problem with the southern hemisphere of the anatomy, and my fly button was open. So she says, so I said, let us pray, all eyes closed, and I went, <laughs> so, we, so we have coined a little expression now. She says, X, Y, Z, that means examine your zip. I say, A, B, C, all been done, all, they, all been checked, all been checked. So, this beautiful truth, your picture affects your performance. When we catch this truth, then we'll see how we ought to love our wives, how we ought to bless them, how we ought to pray with them. I was holding a, a seminar down the south coast in Durban, South Africa, many years ago. There were about 120 people from a Baptist church. doesn't matter, Baptist, good Baptist, praise the Lord. And they were all there. And uh, I was talking about this, uh, you know, husbands being good prophet, priest, and king. And I wanted to develop that, but I don't think I'm going to have too much time. But uh, a husband, just like Christ, needs to be a prophet, priest, and king to his little bride. I was talking about, I said, now you see, uh, if, you, if you're going to be a priest, you're going to have to get acquainted with this word so you can wash your wife with it. You can bless her with this word. I said, how many of you husbands pray with your wives? Not for them, but with them. How, how many of you husbands 
I mean, yeah, husbands, pray with your wives. I said, don't give me a show of hands. Just listen. And then, after the seminar, a couple of days, this lady who I knew very well phoned me up. She says, you know, remember when you said how many of you husbands really wash your wife with the washing of the water by the word? How many of you really read the word and minister to, to them? My best friend said, my husband called me into the room. It was my birthday. He said, sit on the bed. So she sat on the bed. Close your eyes. Birthday present. So she said, put your hands out like that. So, Whoa, boy, there's a big one coming here. I don't know what it is, but yes, okay. Then he says, open your eyes. And he was kneeling at her feet. He said, I am going to start praying with you for the first time in my life. She says, the best birthday present she's ever had in her life. And he started to become a priest. He's a priest. Priest in the home. Oh, you need to be a prophet as well. You know what a prophet does? He has insight and he has foresight. And he looks ahead and he anticipates in the light of what he sees. And he warns his family, guides his family, encourages his family. Many marriages have come unstuck because a bad prophet didn't look ahead, didn't anticipate. A bad priest didn't understand, and a king. Prophet, priest, and king. King. Oh, kings. I wrote something good. I thought it was good, so I wrote it down. So I better, better just read this to you. Let me see what it says about kings. I, I wrote it down. This is what I wrote. It's quite good for me. Listen to this. A king does not focus on power, but from a power base, he focuses on authority. I think, yeah, that's good. Hmm. And when a man's secure in his identity, he can afford to be gentle. When a priest enters into his role and he sees this picture of Christ in his church and he says, man, Lord, I haven't been the prophet, priest, and king. I haven't been the picture of Christ in his church. I haven't washed my bride by the washing of the water by the word. I haven't been a good wife. I've been bucking. You see, you can either be a ducking wife or a bucking wife. And a lot of bucking wives, the bucking broncos all over the place. But invariably, it's because of husbands who have not taken their God-given role to love their wives like Christ loved the church. I had a couple who came to me once. And this fellow says, Yo, he said, I'm frightened of my wife, eh? I said, you frightened of your wife, eh? Yeah, I'm frightened of her. He was bigger than me. He said, you should see her. When she gets revved up, man, I tell you, she goes berserk. She got long fingernails. She, her hair sticks out like that. She got long toenails. And she comes charging at me and she jumps at me with all fours. And she scratches and shouts and screams. Hey, man, and what makes it worse? He said, then she comes and she's trying to kick me between the legs and I'm bouncing around here trying to, protect, trying to kick me. I just have to run get out of there. And I saw a picture of the church kicking Christ between the legs. Your picture will affect your performance. Oh, Lord. One lady told me, she says, man, 
I think she said something like that. She said, but she inferred this. My, my husband, you know, he believes in flying saucers. He's ducking them all the time. I'm saying plate, plates, pots, vases. You say vases, we say vases. Uh, vases, pa- typewriters, anything. We kick, we shout, we scream. And I saw Christ in his church. And children in every age will close their ears to advice and open their eyes to example. And they see Christ in his church. Picture. I was listening to, uh, listening to Dr. James Dobson speaking some time ago. And he had a man on the program there who had been the director for Youth for Christ for 150 years or something, whatever. A long, long time. And he said, listen, you've been married for years, you've counseled trouble, you tell me, what can you give our listeners uh, in terms of marriage and the security of marriage? He said, I'll tell you. He said, when the family has a, a father and a mother that demonstrate demonstrative love, holding hand, loving, kissing, hugging, showing respect for the wife and the husband and the wife, when that is seen by the children on an ongoing purpose, an ongoing way in the family, where they can see that love and that demonstrative love that the Father, the Christ, has for his bride. When they see that every day, they hear compliments, they see the respectful way in which dad and mom treat each other. There are hardly enough dumb things you can do to make your children go off the rails. I say, Amen. We need to get back to the picture of Christ and his church. And when you catch that picture, and you see it, and you say, Lord, let me be a beautiful picture of Christ and his church. Now let me just go on here quickly, and I'll slip down slip down here on, in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's just have a look at this quickly. Go down to verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as they love their own bodies. You don't have to teach a man how to love his own body. He looks in the mirror and he says, lucky girl, eh? He shaves, he takes a discipline when he's sick, he's hungry, goes and feeds himself, he clothes, he looks all smart. He loves himself. He loves his own body. Now the Bible says here, hey, husbands, I want you to love your wives just like you love your own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Why? Because she's one flesh with you. You're one. So you're loving yourself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourisheth it and he cherishes it even as the Lord the church. Sir, you may not agree with this, but you can fight with me afterwards. If you have an unspiritual wife, Come and see me. I'm going to teach you, you need to be a priest. You need to love her like Christ loved the church and you will bring something out of her. Rebellion or whatever it may be. You'll bring something out of her that she'll begin to be nourished and cherished and feel loved. And she won't go looking around. 
my wife's not looking around for anyone else. Not at all. Because I'm learning how to love my wife, like Christ loved the church. It's a beautiful symbol of Christ and his church. And it says this, For we are members one of another. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleaves his wife. This, verse 32, is a great mystery. I'm really not speaking about marriage at all in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm using it only as an analogy, as a type to show Christ and his church. And then the last part says there, the last verse, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Reverence? Does he think he's the Pope or something? Well, what's this reverence, this reverence thing? No, he's better than the Pope. He's a picture of Christ. And if you're going out and say, you're doing that to Christ. When you slap your wife, you're slapping the church. Picture. Picture performance. Is anyone out there? You, yeah, amen, Brother Gory. I hear that. Yes. That's good. That's good. Yes, Lord. Thank you. It's a beautiful truth. Amen. Now, usually my wife starts dangling the watch and saying, time up, time up. So I don't look at her yet, but I'll, I'll try and get there. All right. So, <clears throat> it's a beautiful picture. And we need to understand this. You know, in the Old Testament, the high priest could get married. But there were some stipulations. He couldn't marry a widow. He couldn't marry a prostitute, and he couldn't marry a divorcee. Why? Why? Didn't hear that, but what's that? Hmm? The high priest of Old Testament times was only a type, was only a shadow of the great, great high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And when Jesus comes in the clouds of glory, he's not coming for a widow, he's not coming for a prostitute, he's coming for a pure virgin bride. Make sure that you wash yourself and you wash your bride and she washes you and you allow her to wash you by the washing of the water by the word. Sweetheart, I don't want you to go out in that dress, it's too short and the top is a little bit too clingy. Oh, Big Daddy, hey? No, not Big Daddy. This is Christ loving his church. Submit to it. Now, let me say this. Ladies, I think you'll like this one. No, the men will like it. It's not the ladies. When the Bible tells the woman to submit to her own husband, it's only telling the woman to duck so God can hit the husband. Get it? Absolutely. And the problem is that so few wives duck and the husband never gets hit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, duck. Learn how to duck. God hit the husband. There's a little poem that I use. It goes like this. Ill is the home and many the blows where the rooster is silent and the hen that crows. Some of you farmers will know what that's all about. 
Some people just look. Roosters don't lay eggs either. And the reason why there's so many crowing hens is because too many silent roosters. Amen, ladies? Too many silent roosters. Absolutely. So we need to catch the vision here. And as we catch this vision and we flow with it, oh, glory to God, the Lord will do a wonderful thing in your life. You go away from this place and say, Lord, that old South African guy there now, he had chap who's living in New Zealand. What's his name? My brother, Gory. Is what he said tonight really from the heart of God? It is. God's answering it already. It is. It is. I told a man once and he said, I do nothing, nothing, nothing but that I first pray to God. So we asked him to come around to have supper, uh, have dinner with us one night. So he said, no, no, no. I have to ask God first. Oh, very spiritual. Holy Joe. Yeah, no, he, he, he has to ask God. He can do nothing. Anyway, they're having big trouble in their marriage and the wife asked me to come over and, and speak to them and what have you. And the, the wife said, listen, I've just asked him that our children are coming home from boarding school over this time of holiday. I've just asked him, please let's go down to our little batch, our little beach house down there just for about four or five days with the children as a family. Oh, no, no, he has to ask God. No, no, he has to ask God. Now he's praying eight hours a day, walking up and down on the farm there, praying and praying and praying. So I'm hearing all this and I'm hearing. And she said, yeah, no, no. So she says to me, Mike, what do I do? I'm so longing to spend some time with our children. But now he must go and pray. He, he must pray. He does nothing but he first asks God. Got it. So I said to him, well, brother, I said, I think you need to live with your wife according to knowledge. The Bible tells us that in 1 Peter chapter 3. You need to live with her in an understanding way. And understand that women don't think the same as men. You've got to understand she's got a nestling instinct. She's got a, she's got a, uh, 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 what's it? What, you know, what they call it? She's got a nestling instinct. She wants to be with her children from God. So I had holy indignation. I stepped forward and I said, Brother, I am God. His eyeballs just about fell out. I said, I am. I am telling you on behalf of God. Man, he didn't know how to take that. He went. He heard God. He heard me speak. So, I don't know how you put that off, but leave it there. So we need to understand this whole picture of Christ and his church. And I have just but touched on a, a little facet of it this evening. I have marriage seminars. One of my marriage seminars is, is your marriage bliss or blisters? You need to come along to one of them. I'll be around for three months. You better come and hear me speak. So, if we can catch that vision, and if the Lord would just impart that to you, and you will start to feel, Lord, I don't think I've been a good prophet, priest, and king in the home. Lord, I don't think I've been a king at all. I've been a tail. And I expect my wife to make all the decisions. I've been trying, trying to let her do everything. She, she takes the children to school, to Sunday school. She, she's the one who, she's the spiritual one. Hey, you know, this is not for us, man. She can look up there. No, sir. Offside. 
You're off sides. You need, you need to be a prophet, priest, and king. Because marriage is a beautiful picture of Christ and his church. And if we get that vision and we say, Lord, I haven't been the person you want me to be. I know, Lord, that I haven't been sensitive. Maybe I've lost it. Maybe I haven't seen this picture of Christ and his church. And I believe that the Lord will quicken that to your hearts. And you will see it. But maybe some of you say, yeah, but you, you, you don't know what it's like to live with a violent man, with a man who's a... Yeah, I understand there's always exceptions to the rule. What we're looking at today is the basic teaching of Scripture that God would have us love our wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may present it unto himself as a glorious church without spot and without blemish, may be holy and pure before God. That's what God wants to do. God wants to do something in your life here at this weekend, this seminar, this, this conference. Believe it. Reach out and grab hold of it and say, Lord, I am believing that you're going to confirm the word with signs falling, even tonight. As I go back to my room and I think about what Mike says, reason why God tells the wife to duck so God can hit the husband. Lord, I, maybe I haven't been ducking enough. I've been doing it all. Maybe God's going to speak to you. And if there's someone here who's hurting, really hurting, reach out in faith and trust God for a miracle. And it's never too late to do right. I want you to get that. I'm going to repeat that for the camera. They're all changing over there. Remember, it's never too late to do right. And tonight you can go back to your room and you can say, Lord, I put my hand over my heart once again and say, Jesus, you're welcome in my heart. Come in, Lord, and let me understand this beautiful teaching of marriage as a type Christ and his church. And everyone said, Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we want to bless your glorious name. And if there's anyone hurting here tonight, Lord, I pray that in your love you would just reach out and let them know that the eternal God is their refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. For this, these precious ladies, a couple of them I spoke to tonight who said we're standing for our marriage. We're going to stand as long as it takes. Lord Jesus, I pray you would do a miracle. Right now, those rebelling, bucking husbands, wherever they may be, I pray, Lord, that you would send the Holy Spirit to speak into their lives, break them down even this night, wherever they may be, and bring conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit. And also, Lord, I just pray that long after Brother Mike Gorry's words have fallen to the ground, the Holy Spirit will be the after-teacher in the still hours of the morning just to bring these things back to our remembrance and you do the ministry into each one of our lives. And everyone will be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. There are more tapes and stuff over there on the back thing. Now you can clap for me. Bless you all.